0: Let's say you have a goal. It's your life goal. It can be any arbitrary goal. Let's say for example, your goal is to live a happy and fulfilled life. And it really doesn't matter which goal you choose. You can just exchange it. The bad thing about this is, the bad thing about 99.9% of all goals is that it's not as straightforward as it looks on this picture. It's like there's not one way and one point and now You have like achieved your goal it looks much more like this like there are one million different directions you can take and the thing is now how do you distinguish the good directions the good ways to achieve a goal or to get closer to a goal from the bad ways to get closer to a goal do you just guess do you just choose like one of the directions and say yeah it's gonna be fine or is there a better way and Yeah, there actually is a better way and I found it um, It's in connection with the thing I study and um, It is in psychology and the interesting thing is that people in psychology and like scientists in general have been working on exactly this problem for a really really long time and in the last time for my course, uh, for for a course of my studies, um, it co- it's called um, Introduction to Research Methodology. I really delve into this, and I really love this course because it's so clear, and you really learn on how how research works and how to how if you want to conduct your own research. So if you want to find. The best possible way to, for example, be as happy as possible, then you can use the knowledge from this course to design your own studies, design your own research, and also, if you don't want to do all this uh, by yourself, you can use all the knowledge from all the psychologists that have worked like in the years before us and you learn how to read studies and how to distinguish a good study from a bad study which is super important okay let's just dive right into it so first point is ah no first hey my name is Elias welcome to the rational optimization podcast My goal in this podcast is to find out what is all things considered the most rational thing to do. And this means two things. The first point is that I try to search for what are the best possible goals that one can have. And the second point is that I search for what are the most optimal ways to achieve them. Today, we're going to focus on the second point. So we're going to search for technique to find out what are the best possible ways to achieve the best possible goals after you found them out. But if you want to learn more about the philosophic- uh, f- philosophical part, then go to one of some of my other videos where I search for the best possible goals. But let's start. So, intuition sucks. Your intuition sucks, my intuition sucks, the intuition of nearly all people just sucks. So the thing is that just because you think that something is logical doesn't mean that it's true. There are uh, a lot of examples for this. Uh, An example is in the Dark Ages when they did like the the bloodletting where um, They cut like the veins of the people and let like the blood out to make them healthy again. And there is a really clear problem with this. It's that like it, it seems kind of it's like logical that like yeah of course if you're sick then it's like there are the liquids in your body the humors they are in the wrong balance and that's why we have to bring them into balance again but it doesn't mean that it's true and um, yeah wh- why is the intuition so bad uh, like except from this example it's because our brain is full of biases and So uh, bias or heuristic those are things those are ways our brain thinks that Are Not Optimal If your goal is to be as true as possible they are like our our brain is pretty smart. So there there are Good approximations to the truth and it's like a, a way of our brain to save energy to make the world that is really really complicated much simpler and yeah with those biases the problem is that our intuition that relies on a lot of biases and heuristics is often false and one really good example for this is that our brain loves metaphors and stories and one example for this is like, like okay our brain loves metaphors and stories and from those metaphors and stories our, our brain thinks that the things that have good metaphors behind them that have good stories behind them are true or are more true than other things that are not easy to grasp and that are not easy to understand an example for this is that um freud when he came up with his theory of cathar- catharsis so catharsis is like um it means like venting anger so his, his, his theory was that um, if you have a psychological problem like a suppressed idea inside of you and you suppress it all the time and then there is like some kind of pressure building up in you and it has to come out some way and this pressure Um, He he used the metaphor of like because of a steam engine because like in the steam engine There's like also a lot of pressure building up and if you're not careful, it's gonna explode So you have to let the pressure out in some way and so he came up with his theory of catharsis um, where you like try to find this thing that builds the pressure up inside of you and you leave it out and it's like really logical it's a good story it's good to understand there's a good metaphor behind it and so so we think it's true but the thing is that doesn't make it true so <laughs> all this long talking is just to say like just because something sounds logical just because something is easy to grasp easy to understand there's a good story behind it doesn't make it true so so for the venting anger so like the the idea of going into if if you're angry at someone you go into like a rage room and destroy stuff this is a good idea it sounds logical but it is not true like the scientific research shows that um this is not true so yeah your intuition sucks my intuition sucks human intuition is not like It is pretty impressive what it can do with how little information it has, but it's not optimal if you want to find exactly what is true, if you really want to find the best possible way. Uh, another problem with our <laughs> minds is the so-called confirmation bias. You probably already heard about it. It's um, just another example of how our intuition tricks us and it's that we are if we have an idea that we believe is true, then we're much more likely to find stuff that confirms this idea. So we we will literally go out like unconsciously when when you believe something. So for example, oh, I've, I've got some creatine here. If I believe like creatine is good for me and um, I... I yeah, if this is my my belief, and then I'm like, okay, now I'm gonna research about creatine, then I'm probably only gonna look at the exact uh, at evidence that supports my claim. I'm probably going to ignore the other evidence or interpret ambiguous ev- evidence in a way that. Makes me believe like keep my belief that creating is something that is good by the way I really believe that creating is something that is good <laughs> But um, Yeah, so this is a- Another bias and there are a lot more biases and I will make a, a Long-form podcast where I go through all of them all of the thinking errors we have And ways to combat them and how to use logical reasoning but today it's not about biases, today is about how scientists, how philosophers come to gain knowledge. So uh, yeah, we already had this, your intuition sucks. The interesting thing is not only intuition sucks, but also the experience of one person sucks. Okay, it's not It's not 100% true. Like, your intuition doesn't, uh, your experience is not wrong or something, your experience is probably right. But it is hard to gain knowledge from only your own experience and like to to prove a theory from only your own experience because there are some problems if you're like only one person that only looks at his or her own experience. Um, Yeah and research combats this and has like uh, techniques to be better but I'm gonna explain why is the experience of one person not as good as like big research and the first problem is that as one person you don't have a comparison group so for example if I start taking creatine <laughs> I, I, I just have it here so this is like my example now uh, if I start taking creatine and I notice that I can concentrate better because creatine is good for your body and your brain Research says, <laughs> but, but let, let's say I I didn't read any research and I just started taking creatine and I'm like hmm Now I can like since I'm taking creatine. I kind of I can concentrate better this uh, It's also creatine must be good for your concentration uh, con- Concentration so the problem here is that I don't have a comparisons group So I don't know what would have happened if I didn't take creatine so it would maybe uh, just like My concentration would just get better anyway, like maybe it's just because I'm sleeping a little bit better in the last time or anything Um, So If I don't have a comparison group, I don't know what would have happened If I just yeah, if I if I just didn't take the creatine and I can just see like oh, yeah I took creatine I can concentrate better But that doesn't mean that creatine makes me concentrate better or anything because I have nothing to compare it to like I don't know if the creatine was the thing causing the better concentration or like (laughs) the more uh, Known fact of creatine like the muscle growth uh, growth uh, and the strength Increasement, but um, it could also be any other reason So this is the first problem with the experience of one person and research combats this by having comparison groups or control groups where, for example, if they do a study about creatine, they have one group taking creatine and another group taking a placebo that looks like creatine and is like um, but has is not creatine so they can see like is there really concentration improvement in this group that is taking creatine compared to the other group Um, so this is one point why the experience of one person is not as good as what we can find in research and the next point is that you can't control for confounds as one person and let me explain what this means Um, so if you're If I'm one person and I'm um, testing this (laughs) creatine um, Then I will in the few like I will start taking it and yeah, maybe I feel this um, Improvement of my concentration, but My life is really there are a lot of things going on. So Uh, As I already said for example with the sleeping better or maybe I'm starting also with a new workout routine while I'm doing this and so I Maybe because of this new workout routine my concentration gets better because like everything Flows better and stuff and (laughs) so so I can just concentrate better and this would be a confound so it's another explanation for why my uh, Concentration got better or yeah, you can just imagine any other reason. Yeah, I'm sleeping better or something and um, If I'm only one person I Can't control for other changes like this or yeah, let's say I'm starting to do yoga and um, because of the yoga, I can, or no, I don't know if if my better concentration comes from the creatine or if it comes from the yoga. And um, I can't control for this because I'm only one person and in my life there are so many things going on. Like even if I say, okay, I'm not gonna start yoga while I'm doing this creatine experiment, there are a lot of other things that are going on and that could cause the change. So it doesn't have to be the creatine. In research, uh, on the other hand, the researchers can really control that it's like just one variable. I don't know, like with the creation example I think it would actually be really complicated and in the end the the mass would be the control because if you have like really really many people and there are a lot some people that start yoga some people that end with yoga so in the end you will balance out um, and for one person it doesn't ba- balance out um, but for many other things it's they can they also like if you're in the lab you can really control okay this is exactly the things you're going to eat this is exactly um yeah you, you can just control anything and this way you can Rule out many confounds. So again the confound would be another reason for the research finding So another reason for why I can concentrate better when I'm taking creative um Okay next point how do researchers so, so why why is research better than this thing we have in our minds like like this our personal experience or our um, intuition um, so Research or how, how does research go? Go about being better than than the things I just told you are all shit um, so research works in Five steps and these five steps are illustrated in the so-called empirical cycle by de Groot, but it, do- it doesn't matter by whom it is. It's uh, just a five-step cycle and this five-step cycle um, consists yeah out of five points (laughs) Sorry Um, And you and this is how all research basically works. So if you want to Find this Yeah, find something out. This is like The template that uh, you use it nearly all Researchers, or especially like in um, psychology and in medicine, use. And so the, especially in psychology. So the first step is that you have an observation. So I didn't. I really didn't want to use this creatine example. I don't know why, but I I have a creatine. I have some creatine here, so this is going to be my example for this podcast. Um, So. If My observation is okay. I started taking creatine and I can somehow concentrate better. This is my experience. So uh, It's not like a valid. It's it's not like a proof or anything uh, by the way this proving is <laughs> That you, you don't prove anything, but this is something we go to later but um, If I have this finding in my experience, so this observation that I take creatine and now I can concentrate better Um then uh, Yeah, I, I have an idea. Hmm. Okay creatine makes you concentrate better. Maybe this is a Maybe this is true. And this is what we call a theory or yeah, this is would be a really short really Succinct uh, Theory, so it's like just one claim one proposition. So so my claim is that creatine increases concentration and So this would be the second step in the empirical cycle. The first step is I have the observation. Okay, I take creatine Hmm, I can concentrate better Second step is my theory. So my theory now is that creatine increases concentration Mm, Okay, so now we go into step number three of the um, I know before this (laughs) there are different types of theories you can make there are falsifiables uh, for falsifiable theories and unfalsifiable theories, and there is a problem if you make unfalsifiable theories. So an unfalsifiable theory would be a theory where you can't find evidence against the theory. So an example for an unfalsifiable theory would be that there, uh, like by the way, it's true. Like there is a unicorn living in my room, and it has, it, but it but it uses its ma- magic powers. To hide from humans, so Yeah, this is true. So now you try to test it. The the problem with this is that No matter what you find this theory can't be disproven So let's say you go into my room and you start searching for unicorn and you find it and it's like oh This theory is true, but let's say you can't find it then My theory is also true because I just said that this unicorn has like magic powers and it hides from humans, so No matter how much you search uh, You can never disprove that there is this unicorn living here in my room and the problem with those Unfalsifiable theories is that you can just make as many of them as you want so you can just like oh no there's not only a Unicorn living here, there's also like a little goblin, and uh, I, I don't know, like a mermaid living in my sink, I, I, like but all with magic powers and hiding. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I hope you see what the problem here is. So, um, you can't really get closer to truth if you just make unfalsifiable claims, if you just make unfalsifiable theories and our goal is to get closer to truth and yeah with this this is not possible. So what is a good theory? A good theory is falsifiable because with falsifiable theories you can get closer to what is true and an example for a falsifiable theory would be creatine increases concentration or let's say money doesn't increase happiness after you earn more than the average salary or Money increases happiness or money doesn't increase happiness at all. Those would be all falsifiable theories because like for the money example if I say money doesn't increase happiness, then you could disprove it or find evidence against it by just for doing an experiment so you like measure somebody's happiness and then you give him a lot of money and then you see measure his happiness again and then you see what changed or like probably in this case (laughs) you would do this in the long term so you would not uh measure like after you directly after you give him money but you want to know how money influences happiness in the long term and yeah this is how you could go about um disproving it and if, if you find like oh no actually the guy that earns two million instead of one million is more happy um or i don't know if twice as happy or something but you could find evidence against the theory that money doesn't increase happiness or you could find evidence against the theory that creating increases concentration if you just Test a lot of people give them creatine and you find like oh, they can concentrate exactly as well or even worse than uh, The people that didn't take creatine then you would find evidence against the theory and This way you could get closer to truth Um, And it's not that you can just like stack theory of theory of theory because you can find evidence against theories so (laughs) We're still at step number two of the empirical cycle. So first step was you observe, you see something. Oh, I see that when I take creatine, I can concentrate better. Second step is you make a theory. So my theory now is that creatine increases concentration. Step number three, now you make a prediction. Uh, Prediction is a specific... You derive it, you deduce it from the theory and it's like a specific point in which the theory How the theory would manifest itself. So my prediction could be um, If I give like, One of my friends <laughs> um, Five grams of creatine a day or they say three grams of creatine a day um, for two weeks he will be able to concentrate, uh, to yeah, to he he will like solve a Rubik's cube faster after two weeks because you can concentrate better. Um, this would be like a concrete prediction, so it's something um, that can really be right or wrong, like uh, th- that you can really test. Um, so it's a concrete way of testing your theory and a concrete way how you can find evidence for or against your theory. By the way to uh, say the thing about proving a theory or not proving a theory. So you can not prove a theory. So there's no point on which you say, okay, now this theory is proven. You can only find evidence for a theory and strengthen a theory. So um, no matter how many people I test with creatine and say, okay, creatine increases uh, their concentration, I can never prove That creatine increases concentration. I can only find more and more 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 evidence and be like ninety nine point nine nine percent sure, but it's never one hundred percent. But this is just the feature of our world that our world is complicated, (laughs) super complicated, and um, you just can't, yeah, you you can't prove anything, but you can also not disprove anything. So even if you um, find a lot of evidence against something. It, it's all, so so. It's more way of words. So you can be pretty sure that something is not true and pretty sure that something is true. But um, in the end, what we do is only we search for information. We find new information, and in the end, you will. Um, Strengthen or weaken a theory, so you will find evidence for or against the theory, and you are more sure or less sure that the theory is true. But you're never at 100%. But this is more in the direction of ep- 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 epistemology if you can know anything at all. And uh, I will make another podcast about this as well. But um, so just so you know, uh, there is no point on which a theory, it- on which you can say a theory is proven. <laughs> but enough with this so we make a prediction so we have an observation theory and a prediction now um, What do we do with this prediction? So <laughs> Obviously we go and test this prediction. So now we go out in the world or in, in the lab or however you want to test this prediction um, and Yeah, then you test it and so for example, I start giving my friend him creatine every day <laughs> and and after two weeks I check if he's faster with the Rubik's Cube. Of course I have to test with Rubik's Cube how fast he is before as well and um, this would by the way be a bad experiment because it's also just one person and it's also not controlled for confounds because maybe you got better with solving, maybe practice solving the Rubik's Cube in the two weeks or um, yeah, there, there are many flaws with this, but we're gonna go to what is a good experiment and whatnot, but this is just an example so I test my friend and oh He indeed is faster at solving the Ru- Rubik's Cube. So now we evaluate our information and Now we have information Now we know if our theory is supported or not supported so let's say yeah, he actually got faster. So now we didn't prove the theory, but the theory is just not refuted. We just found data that is in line with the theory and we strengthened the theory. Let's say he didn't get faster. Then we, in this case, we found data that is not in line with the theory, but that doesn't mean that we refuted the theory or proved that the theory is wrong. We just found evidence against the theory and we weakened the theory. So, um, After this evaluation, this is like a cycle. So this is like my new observation and from this I maybe change my theory or um, Yeah, I I, From from this point you can change your theory go with a new prediction go test again and (laughs) go this cycle circle 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 and get closer to truth. So as I said, you will never be 100% sure that something is true, but you can be (laughs) 99.999. Like you can get really close um, to knowing that something is true or something is false by just testing it, testing it, testing it, and testing it. So let's go deeper into this. Let's say you want to make a theory. A theory, as I said, is like a really Simple theory is a claim. So it's like the claim that creatine improves Creatine improves concentration. It's just like one sentence one really simple claim This would be like my claim my simple theory and the interesting thing is that I, I really found this interesting when I found it out is like there are three types of flames and like every claim that you make because in our everyday life we make so such claims like everyday like when in, in your life you always uh, making claims and all of those claims you make in your life um, are can essentially belong to three buckets so there are three types of claims and those um, three types of claims explain um, are different ways of explaining how things in the world connect to each other Yeah, and in the moment I understood this It really helped me to see the world much more Clear so uh, I'm working a lot like taking a lot of notes and really trying to understand the world in like a philosophical way and um, all my thoughts they were uh, when I understood that they are like three simple types of making claims about things and there are different ways to prove those different types of claims. Uh, it like it really helped me organize my thoughts because I knew okay now I'm making an association claim now I'm making a correlation uh, a causal claim <laughs> uh, and just knowing this difference uh, is really nice in your everyday life because You can think much more clear because you can give the things you believe Like a name or (laughs) you can give your claims names, uh, which really helps Um, But Enough of this let's just start with the first type of claim So the first and the most simple kind of claim that you can make is a so-called frequency claim and um, a Frequency claim is a claim about only one variable. And a uh, uh, variable is... Uh, so, so what is a variable? A variable is something that varies. So it is a- everything that can have like different so-called levels. So for example, how much creatine I take would be a variable. Or uh, how good I can concentrate would be a variable. or. Uh, how much handstands I do a day <laughs> would be a variable or um, I don't know how much How often I go to the gym uh, like you can go like for everything uh, you can Like nearly everything you talk about can be Expressed as a variable like everything Where where there are possible differences between humans between like um, there are variables for everything like even like this podcast would have different variables so like how many people listen to it would be a variable of this podcast and it can differ because like uh okay maybe i have a different episode and there are like more or less people watching or listening to this and um so this would also be a variable and um the things i was the the types of variables i was talking about right now they are all quantitative variables so uh, quantitative vi- variable means uh, that there are levels that are higher than others so for example um, for my um, creatine intake it, I can take like more or less I can take one gram or two grams or 10 grams um, <laughs> and uh, this so so the, the numbers are meaningful so there are, Numbers that are higher than other numbers and numbers that are lower than other numbers the same like okay How many likes this podcast gets? Um, can be higher or lower and there's a difference. It doesn't mean that it has to be better or worse uh, in, in this case, of course uh, it, it would be uh, better with more likes but um, This is just It it just means that something can be more or less. So for example weight or size like it's not better or worse to be uh, to weigh more or less basically, Uh, but um, It's just higher or lower. There are also not only quantitative variables. There are also categorical variables and categorical variables. They also have levels. So a level would be for, for creatine for example a level of creatine intake would be how much creatine you take So one gram would be a level for your intake of creatine uh, Two grams would be another level and the level of two grams is higher than the level of one gram common sense, but um, For categorical variables the levels are not higher than each other. So um, for example uh, your uh, gender if you are like male or female this or I don't know, they are... <laughs> Maybe I should take another example. Um, so forget this. Uh, let's say um, your favorite color. Your favorite color is... Um, <laughs> your, your favorite color is a categorical vari- variable. So it, it has different levels, but none is like higher than the other ones. Like it's not that... Um, uh, red is better than blue or <laughs> whatever it's like uh, if, if you have your favorite color it's uh, just like any of the colors or another um, uh, good example from the book that I can think of of categorical variables is like if you test like different types of monkeys like you have uh, chimpanzees and bonobos and like I don't know and you do tests with them um, and this would be a uh, Uh, Categorical variables so the type of monkey (laughs) or yeah, your favorite color is also one and there's none like there's none higher than the other ones there This is the thing about categorical variables. So uh, (laughs) There are two types of variables categorical and quantitative for quantitative there are uh, Values levels of the variable that can be higher than um, others for categorical variables They are not higher. They are all um, Just different categories. So which category are you in and um, So let's go back to the frequency claim the thing we were actually talking about so frequency claim is a claim about only one variable so um, You it's it's most simple claim you can make so um, for example um, The Average amount of beer that people in Tilburg University drink is I don't know one I have no idea. Like I don't drink but let's say it's like one liter or or let's say let's say it's two three liters a month. I don't know for uh, <laughs> If you adjust for everything, let's say three liters a month. So um, This is the average amount of beer people drink. This would be a frequency claim or how much people uh, on how, how often people smile a day? This would be also or how often people lie a day? This would be also a frequency claim. So you only make a variable a claim about one variable or Let's let's go with a good with a good one. Uh, it's um, How often uh, people go to the gym. So let's go with the example Um, People on average go to the gym um, I don't know they like the average student goes to the gym one time a week (laughs) I have also no idea, but let's say let's say um, This would be a a frequency claim and um, Yeah, so we have one variable how often students go to the uh, gym and we have the frequency so so we make a claim about one variable only so only that students go to the gym one time a week so it's enough this is a frequency claim I'm gonna explain more exactly how to interrogate if a frequency if a study supports a frequency claim, it's gonna come later, but um, For now so just so you know what a frequency claim is and what a variable is Let's go to the next type of claim. The next type of claim is a so-called association claim and Oh in the slides, <laughs> I let it I, I use like AI image generation for my slides and it says association with double AI and uh, it's a little bit weird, but um You know what I mean? So it's an association claim and an association claim is a claim about two variables and this is so about the connection of two variables and um, So What does it mean? So for example, if I say hmm, Creatine (laughs) um, Intake is correlated with Good concentration It's it it is different than saying creatine causes uh, or creatine makes you concentrate better because now if if I say um, Taking creatine increases concentration this would mean that This is actually the next type of claim. I can show you the so it's a causal claim so this would mean that if you take creatine then this happens to you, but an Association claim is one level below this. So it's just that um, You look out in the world and you see oh people that take creatine also can concentrate better But you don't say that creatine makes them concentrate better. You just say people that take creatine concentrate better. So um, This would be an example of a positive Association so positive association means doesn't mean (laughs) that it's something good or something uh, Like there are positive and negative and zero associations, but it doesn't mean like good and bad associations It just means that a positive association means that high in one level means high in the other level So high creatine intake means high concentration Um, But you could also do it like the other way around you could say um, maybe yeah, you could say uh, sugar intake and health. Like I, why, I don't know why this podcast got into a <laughs> health nutrition lecture. Um, I, I really try to only explain this, but this is the stuff that comes to mind in the moment. So, um, uh, sugar and health, sugar intake and health. This would be an example for negative or inverse association. So if your sugar intake is high, your health is low. If your sugar intake is low, your health is high. So um, yeah, this would be different from a positive association where high means high. So um, and there's also zero association and this is just if you don't find any uh, connection between um, two variables. So uh, if I take creatine and I don't find any difference in concentration, then um, this would mean that there is a zero um, association. So just it doesn't matter how much creatine you take or no, you I can't predict how good you can concentrate just from knowing how much creatine you take because there's just no connection between the two. So um, pretty simple. The those association claims you Um, to visualize them you can use scatter plots and um, this is really nice because then you can if you have a scatter plot you have like a diagram and you see like okay on one axis is like the amount of creatine you take on the other axis is like the amount of how concentrated you are and then you can make dots for all the people that you test and let's say a person that takes like no creatine and can concentrate like okay um would have a dot in some point and like another person that takes um, a lot of creatine and can cause really good would have a dot um, in the far upper corner and like w- if you have a lot of a lot of dots and um, you can kind of like draw a line through those dots like the the most average line um, and this is the so-called co- correlation okay no the slope of this line so how steep this line is is The correlation coefficient r and this correlation coefficient r is a number and this can show the strength of an association so if this correlation coefficient is um zero, then we would have a zero uh, association. So this would mean that the slope is zero. So it's just like a straight line and the dots are scattered all around it. If the uh, correlation coefficient r would be 1, this would mean it's a perfect correlation. So. It's like you can exactly know from how much creatine you make, how much you concentrate. It's not like this in real life, like you never find a perfect association, I don't know. You nearly never find a, I don't know if you ever find a perfect association. Um, So it can be like somewhere between this, between zero and one. Let's say for the creatine and concentration example, it's probably like zero point one, I, I don't think it's such a strong association or correlation, but there is one. Well, probably it's even less, but um, So so this is how, how how steep the line is so how 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 directly it correlates like if, if the points are scattered around a lot on this scatter plot so if if there's no strong connection between creating intake and concentration, then um the line wouldn't be as steep, so the correlation coefficient would be lower and uh, in the end, yeah, we would have <laughs> Yeah, It's it's not such a strong association or correlation um, Also this correlation coefficient um, With in the negative association, it would just be negative. So the most negative it could get would be minus one and um so, so it can be anywhere from plus one, zero, minus one. Plus one would mean um, so r e- equals plus one would mean a um, perfect positive association, r e- equals zero would be a perfect uh, uh, It would be a zero perfect zero association and r equals minus one would be a perfect um, negative association, but in real life, it's always somewhere in between but whenever you see like a An association claim with an R Um, so you have the if you want to find the connection between creatine and concentration I really have to find a different example for this podcast but I'm not sure if I will Um, (laughs) then uh, just look if you read a study and you see an R and you and in the study it says like okay R of 0.01, Oh, 0.01, uh, so so oh, yeah. r of 0.1. This would mean um, There's a fairly weak association, but still there there is some association. So uh, creatine indeed increases your concentration. Um, if they would say okay 0. 0.0001, then you can be like okay, there is no connection. But if they say it's 0.9, then you okay. It's not like then we would all be taking creation like crazy um, but Yeah, so this is how you can use this correlation coefficient are if you really study Let's go to the next claim. The next claim is a causal claim uh, a causal claim is as I said is, is a thing I was talking all around. I'm, I'm going to use a different examples now. Let's um, Let's go with money and happiness. Let's say if I say money makes You happier (laughs) so this would be a causal claim so money causes you to get happier it's different than when I say when I make a, a association claim and say okay people with high money are also happier no I say money makes you happier and this is a really really important difference to know so now I'm not only claiming that rich people are happier I'm also claiming that Money causes this and yeah, this is just an important difference uh, That you have to know and it's much more complicated to prove a causal claim than an association claim, but um, Yeah, how to prove this i'm gonna explain how to prove this actually right now <laughs> So <laughs> how to find evidence for the different types of claims um, This is like the really important place uh, Part now. so this is if you want to make research yourself or if you read psychological research you have to understand um, What what kind of evidence supports which kind of claim because um, Yeah, this is how you can either, either design your own research or how you can distinguish a good study from a bad study um, because if you read a study and like before I took this course and really dove into this topic, I would have no idea like what is a good study? What is a bad study? But um, There are some pretty simple steps that you can use to compare different studies and to find out what uh, makes a good study So how to find evidence for um, to, to judge if a study is good or bad or to make your own study um, The first step that you have to do is um, for If you want to make your own study or if you want to look if another study. Okay. Now this is the step you do when you Make your own study. It's called operationalizing um, If you read a study you just read how they operationalized their variables um, But this is also really important for both things that you can do. So what is operationalizing? operationalizing is turning a conceptual variable into a Operationalized variable. So, uh, what does it mean? This means that you make an idea concrete. So, uh, so if I say um, money, <laughs> money increases happiness. What is money and what is happiness? So, like this is like a beautiful thing to say. Money increases happiness. Would make the world so much easier if this were true. <laughs> but. Um, How exactly do I want to go about measuring this because I can't just There's no, okay for money actually there is a number (laughs) But for many things for example for happiness There is no number that you can see and there is no number that you can just read and say, okay This is your happiness. Oh, your your happiness is a eight (laughs) No, um for you have to find a way to operationalize The thing you want to measure so for money money, you have to operationalize money and an example for operationalizing money would be um, It's called the ladder of life question Um, and It is just a question you give to someone and uh, This question uh, goes like some some, I I will paraphrase it. Um, This question is that um, Imagine you're I have like a ladder with 10 steps and on top of the ladder would uh, Mean that you have like your perfect life uh, exactly what you want and like everything is you, Your life is going in a way that you Like it uh, and uh, like on the lowest uh, Step would mean that uh, your life is not going your way at all. It's like really bad and um yeah, you you would like to really change a lot and on which Ladder of the life of the which level of the ladder do you stand and this is a way how Psychologists okay. I I think I didn't paraphrase this perfectly, but this is a way how Psychologists matter measure, measure a cons, concept like happiness and um, And Yeah, this is really complicated and there are a lot of discussions going on if uh, What what is a good operationalization? What is a bad operationalization? Also, you can look like there are so many different uh, Difficult, especially like in psychologies, there are so many difficult Constructs that you have to operationalize things like intelligence depression um, and Yeah, all those um, concentration all the things are super complicated. Like, there are simple things, like for example, your weight. Yeah, okay, you just step on the sc- Like, my operationalization for a person's weight is that, yeah, step on the scale. Like, I don't know, in uh, best if you want to have really uh, exactly, then let's say, okay, step on the scale in your underwear, and then I have your exact weight. And, uh, but like there's nothing like this there's no scale for happiness and uh, also for money you uh, you have to really operationalize because like w- w- what does it mean how much money people have is it like their income is it their savings is it their net worth is it uh, their stocks is it what they have on their bank account like <laughs> actually it's not There there is no one number that shows like how Wealthy you are or how much money you have there are a lot of different numbers that all Together build this up and you have to operationalize how So so what do I mean by how much money people have and what do I mean by how happy people are so those are For for this example, those are two variables that you have to operationalize Mm. and now um, Yeah, it's it's also important to distinguish uh, good operationalization from a um, bad operationalization and um, This is the first way how you find out um, Yeah It's the first step of finding good evidence. The first step of finding good evidence is to check for the so-called construct validity and Construct validity is the question. Do you really measure what you want to measure? so um, if we say uh, does money increase happiness and I operationalize happiness with this ladder of life question Then I can now if I want to check the construct validity of my operationalization of happiness that I would really look into if this um, Operationalization of happiness is a good operationalization if I really measure happiness or if i measure something else because would be shit like (laughs) in in the past when people tried to measure intelligence they were like measuring the head circumference of people and like good that they did it but i it's, it's not measuring the actual thing like you're not measuring intelligence by measuring how big the head of somebody is um, Like <laughs> this is not a good example for why intuition sucks because like yeah intuitively it makes sense like a oh, bigger head makes this means more intelligent, but um, Like it's, it's not true <laughs> it's there's just um, happiness as uh, other things that uh, Yeah determine how happy uh, you are Okay, so um, Construct validity. How do we um, Check if a construct is valid. So if an operationalization if if we really measure what we want to measure and um, There are two parts um, of a valid Construct. Oh, I just had an idea for another really good example for what is a Really hard to operationalize um (laughs) Conceptual variable and this example is like I'm trying to find The I'm I'm trying to find what is the best possible goal and so a variable of a goal is Would be how good this goal is But how would you measure this and this is like a really hard question. I have to work on this Uh, but how would you How can you get a number for how good a goal is like is there any way to do this? Could you say like, okay, it has this amount of <laughs> Arguments going for it. This amount of arguments going against it and like This is how I get like the number in the end like how good the goals or how bad the goal is or uh, Yeah, is there some way and yeah, I don't know. Um, this is something I have to work on but now real reliability and validity so uh, operationalization can be reliable and valid or one of the two or none of the two. So uh, what does this, those uh, two things mean? So we start with reliability. Reliability is if you imagine like a goal that you can shoot at um, like um, Let's say at a shooting range you're like shooting at a target and Reliability would mean how close your shots are together. So if, if you have like really tight grouping so if you have a really Clear group, then you you have a really reliable gun for example in this in in this example Um, because It's not like shooting anywhere. It's shooting at the same place. So you're you're, you're really reliable and um, (laughs) What does it mean in research? Sorry this example is like it's not explaining how uh, what what reliability is in research in research it would be um, of It's the reliability of an operationalization. So for example, if I want to measure intelligence and I do an IQ test and Today you have an IQ of like 105 <laughs> so a little bit above average and then uh, you come again next week and now you have an IQ of 90, uh, okay, that's weird. <laughs> There's a pretty big difference and like you come next weekend now you have 120 like this would mean that this IQ test is not reliable because like No matter if like like intelligence should be something that is kind of stable So if I measure it again and again and again and each time it's like super big differences There must be something wrong with my measuring tool. So um, this would yeah this is what reliability basically is Um And Reliability you can uh, test it so there are like different ways to check if a measure is reliable in psychology and um, or in in many sciences, (laughs) but um, One of them is for example the test retest reliability. So this is exactly what I just explained So with the IQ test if you do the test again after one week and your value is really Significantly different then there is no test retest reliability and um, Yeah, so so this is something you have to check another thing you have to check is um, the or you don't have to check it always but if there's something if, if you Rate the vari- variable yourself. So if you say or if there are raters for variables, so it's not um Let's say we want to measure intelligence, but we measure it by uh, Looking how well you solve a problem And so there's somebody that stands there next to you with like <laughs> I don't know a piece of paper and he looks how well you solve, solve a problem in the end He gives you like a number for your intelligence um, This would be a orator So it's like a person that observes you and that looks at you and that says okay, you're this intelligence uh, this intelligent and um, inter-rater reliability would mean that if I have, like, for example, two raters next to each other, and they would both look at you, like, doing this task, and be like, mm, "Okay, you are this much intelligent," then <laughs> intelligent, then their both their ratings must. Be pretty similar because like if one of them says, oh, yeah, super intelligent and the other one is like oh, no, Pretty stupid <laughs> Then we wouldn't have inter-rater reliability and this would also mean like, okay uh, We are not measuring intelligence here. We're measuring uh, We're not measuring anything here actually because if the raters are so far apart from each other It's the same with when the tests are super far apart from each other yeah? like something must be wrong here We're not measuring anything really um the third part uh, on how to check for reliability is the internal reliability so internal reliability is if you have a questionnaire with many questions so um for example for happiness there are um different types of questionnaires where you have like different questions like for example um my life is going Uh, As I want it to go if I could my life live my life over again I would change almost nothing and for all those questions you can give like an answer from strongly agree to strongly disagree with like five steps and um, They are all supposed to measure happiness and in the end the average should measure your happiness the problem is if you have like (laughs) If all those questions should measure happiness and one is like strongly agree and the other is like, oh, I strongly disagree Then um, this is a sign that you're probably not measuring happiness in a good way Um, so you're (laughs) It seems like uh, it seems like you are but you are not because um, It's not like are you really measuring happiness if some of your Points are really high and some are really low like there are, there must be a problem here as well So we have test-retest reliability, inter rater reliability and internal reliability but <laughs> Reliability is not everything. I have a really cool example for a perfect reliable measure that is not valid at all and this would be okay. Let's let's start to measure intelligence and I say Intelligence is how big your head is. <laughs> so I start measuring your head circumference and like hmm, okay. Yeah, you have this head circumference So you're this intelligent Let's test for different uh, Reliabilities. So come again in one week. I measure your head circumference again hmm, Perfect. <laughs> I have nearly exactly the same measurement again. This is a really good uh, test retest reliability now um, Let's check for rate reliability I get somebody else. Okay, please measure this uh, your head circumference. This other person measures your head circumference Mm. Oh also pretty similar value to as I got so we also have a really good inter-rater reliability Um, Okay internal reliability in this case there is no internal reliability because we don't do like multiple tests, but um, Yeah, this is Uh, because it's no question yet, yeah, we don't have internal reliability, but so this is would be a very very reliable measure for intelligence. So I had circumference is super reliable. The problem is It's not really a reliable measure for intelligence because it's not measuring intelligence and this is the validity Are you really measuring what you want to measure is it? Something that you just say or yeah, I are, are really measuring something you want to measure so this is amazing now we know how to measure something or now we actually know that we're measuring something the question is do we measure the right thing so this is validity do we measure the thing that we want to measure and i just realized this whole thing this whole podcast is getting much too long much too too much information in one episode so i decided to split it up into two um the next one is going to come out right today after this one so Um, just jump to the next episode if you still have the mental capacity to keep on listening and there I keep explaining not only how you measure something but how you measure exactly the thing you want to measure and also how you can look into what researchers do and uh, see if they are measuring the thing that interests you or if they measure something else and um, yeah further how you really go into research how you uh, read a study, where you find a study um, uh, Yeah, how, how you can use the knowledge of those mil- no, I don't know um, thousands of psychologists that have uh, worked their ass off for the last uh, many years and yeah, how, how you can access this knowledge and how you don't have to <laughs> do every study yourself But if you want to do a study yourself, I think it's also nice to watch this because this way, you know how this works